just know God is moving and um and I see the kind of I see the kind of people he's building and 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 I'm just I'm just overwhelmed. I can't wait. I cannot wait. I cannot pray enough. God let this come, let this happen. And um and I, and I see all these little signs all around. I kind of like uh, see um, people saying, hey, I really love you guys, you know, and love you guys. And, you know, people sort of saying that. And, and it's not just an ordinary love. You, I can, it's, it's a love that the love of God's in me and the love of God's in you and there's a connection. And and I see all kinds of things happening in our lives. I, I don't. Know, we, we're just constantly going. That's that's amazing. Um, we walked into a cafe we've never been to the other day, and here's Pete and Karen McNair sitting there. Haven't seen them for what I don't know, twenty plus years, and here they are. I what why? The other day I was out at Henderson. I hardly ever go out to Henderson. I was at this place called NZ Laser, and. And this laser that we were just bringing there and setting up, it was supposed to just be a breeze, but it all went sideways in big time. And so I'm calling up Marion saying, first I forgot my conversion plug to go from 32 amp plug to a different kind of 32 amp plug. It's at home, can you bring it? It's a 30 minute drive out she comes, brings it to me. Great, thank you. I can actually turn it on now. And so I turn it on and then this lamp thing inside it breaks. And so it's a massive job to replace this whole resonator thing. Anyway, Marion, you're nearly home now. I need you to get me a Yarg resonator and bring it out again. So she comes all the way back out again. So I've got all this time to kill. So I go to this little cafe just 30 metres away called Little Sisters Cafe. I've never been there in my life before. Sitting there, Marion comes, so we sort of have a coffee together. And... Then comes this guy, Stu Bilby, who I haven't seen for, I don't know, is it 20 years? No, 15, whatever. And he lives in Rotorua, and, and suddenly he turns up, he's Glenn's brother. I know him really, really well. We used to have great times together, do stuff. And he's kind of got the tramping kind of thing going as well. Um, and they just turn up out of nowhere. Like, how big a coincidence is that? I haven't seen him all this time he lives in Flipping Rotorua. I never go there. I've never been in that cafe. Bang, there. And I'm just finding all these little things happening all over the place. And I'm just, I'm just so excited because God's connecting things and people together and something's happening in the spirit. And I know what I'm going to say today is important because... Last night when I'm preparing last minute because of all the stuff that's gone sideways during the week and you've robbed my time right up. You know how it is? It's like exams at uni or something. You know, it just it's always last minute. And two people ring up and tell us that they want to die. And people never ring us and say, I, I just feel like I want to die. And two people, right, when I'm preparing, now I just get excited in one sense about that because I go, the devil does not want me to do this. And he's trying to wrap me up in this. And, you know, one person's away in Christchurch and I'm going, God, what do I do? How do I, I, I can't just talk to him forever. And, you know, anyway. That's, that's cool. But that's exciting. And I want to go and pick up from where Glenn sort of left off with the prodigal son. I want us to go back there because I want to talk about it from perhaps a slightly different angle. So 
Let's look at the scripture. I'm going to just read it quickly through Luke 15. I promise not to take a long time this morning. I will not preach for ages and ages. Okay, Luke 15, verse 11. Just, you'll get out your Bibles. I don't need it anymore. Yes. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The youngest son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. By the way, that wasn't really distant. It was just out there. Another story. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. None of us have ever done that. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have enough food, uh, have food enough to spare and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when the son of yours comes back after squandering all your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. This is a powerful, powerful story. In the context, it was about the Jewish um, religious people, the Pharisees, the law, people who live by the law and um, live by the rules, being contrasted with the youngest son who had found the grace and the goodness of God. And um, there's a huge contrast between these two people. And I want to ask the question today, is it possible for us to be in the Father's house and become or grow up like the older son? Is it possible that we could be in the Father's house with the celebration going on, with grace abounding, but we can still end up like the older son? Can we end up knowing all about God, all about how God works, 
but not actually knowing the freedom, the joy, the incredible excitement like the younger son. Can it be that our Christianity can be reduced to trying to earn the Father's love by serving, 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 forever, forever trying to gain his acceptance? Can we start out singing? This is an old song, sorry. This is where it goes with me. Um, It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me and end up with the weight of the world on our shoulders as we take on the work that is God's work, not ours. Yeah, I'm just, I was going to say this before, but Paul, hello. I just love this guy. I love this guy. And, um, I see in, in you someone who's like the younger son. You're just so full of the joy of the Holy Spirit and I hardly know what you're going to do next. It's so exciting. You know, it's just so exciting. And, I, and just as I was preparing last night, I, I had this thing that you were like a bellwether and you would see things before the rest of us saw it coming. You would hear the music and you'd start dancing and it's kind of like we'd all go, why, why is Paul dancing? You know, I've got this little thing. It popped up on my Facebook book feed that I posted 10 years ago. And it says, those, those who watched thought those... Ins- those who watched the people dancing thought, them were in- th- thought they were insane because they couldn't hear the music. The younger son could hear the music. You can hear the music. And you're like this... You're going to be like this bellwether to us. You'll hear the music before we even hear it. And um, I looked up bellwether because I'm bellwether. Gosh, that's an ancient word, isn't it? No one uses bellwether. So I looked it up. You'll love this part. It's from Middle English and it's bell and weather, W-E-T-H-E-R. And it's a name they gave for a ram that they put a bell round its neck and they castrated it and it led the sheep. (laughs) That's encouraging. (laughs) We're going to have a special ceremony later. (laughs) Um, So it was a bell and weather for a weather as a castrated ram. But anyway, yeah, it's it's off the charts there, but I just appreciate you so much and uh, and, and Romney, I just want to say to you, I think you're going through a bit of a tough patch. I don't know. Maybe you are, maybe you are. I just feel like you are, and it's a bit dark, and you can't really see what's going on. And, um, and I just think God just wants to encourage you today. that um, It's kind of like he's just moved back a wee bit into the shadows, and he's done it because he wants to plumb the depths of your life and bring you out into a place where life is just so much easier and where there's just the power and the presence of God in your life and and it'll be just overwhelming and you'll go, wow, this is amazing. This is amazing. Yeah, anyway, sorry, slight diversion. But, so can we, can we end up with that kind of weight on the, of the world on our shoulders uh, after all that freedom and liberty that God brought us into, the grace, the forgiveness, the, you don't have to do anything to earn this salvation. Can we end up like that? 
and that ultimately we end, end up burnt out and smouldering on the scrap heap of life, having exhausted every method in the book, um, The Complete Idiot's Guide to How to Live a Successful Christian Life in 185 Easy Steps. You know, sometimes I think that's what it comes down to. I think there is one of those idiot's guides out there for us if we want to pick it up and try to make it happen. You know, make it happen. But the, the work of the kingdom is actually God's work, not ours. Sometimes I think Christianity can look like two people who are way out at sea and they're coming into shore. One person's swimming like crazy. And it's hard work and it's exhausting, but they're getting there. The other person is surfing the wave and it's exhilarating and it's filled with adrenaline and they're pumping and they're so excited this is the ride of their life. See the difference? The work of the kingdom of God is God's work. Swimming's hard work. Surfing gives you emotional energy. It's a rush. Swimming is uh, sorry, surfing. Swimming's draining and just plain hard work. And I'm, you know, we're going to see a place here where people. It's easy. It's easy. Everything is easy because the spirit of God's here and the spirit of God's doing doing it. And we're just a people who go into the presence of God and, and we see and hear what God's doing and we come out and in the name of Jesus we proclaim it, we pray it, we believe it and stuff starts happening everywhere. It's not because of all the flash things we do. Um, I recently had a picture of one of my nieces and I shared it with her and, and I saw her, she's a beautiful girl, blonde hair, kind of, you know, Ella kind of a person, where she is, she's not here, um, you know, and she was dressed in white and she had this crown, this like tiara on her head and she would go into the presence of God and she'd be in there and she'd come out with like this basketful, handsfuls of jewels, precious jewels. And she would go over to this place that was kind of just dark and, and like it dropped off. And there were people just reaching out their hands, starving, hungry, desperate people. And they had gaunt faces and tears down, rolling down their eyes. They were desperate. And she would hand them jewels. From, brought from the throne room of God and then when she ran out she would go back into the presence of God and come back with more jewels and, and it's like her hands were just like dripping with oil and, and fragrance because she came out of the presence of God friends that's who we are that's how Christian, the Christian life works. We go into the presence of God. We love God with all our heart and soul. We worship Him. We worship and worship and worship Him. And we, we're there in the presence of the Father. And it says in Ephesians 3.16 that He has unlimited resources. Unlimited. And we bring them out to the people the hurting people and we hand out these jewels, hand out life. It's not hard. 
There's no effort required. The world thinks there's a shortage of everything. Scarcity mentality. That's because they're desperate, because they're on their own out there. They're on their own. They have no God with unlimited resources. I know my God will supply all my need according to his riches in heaven. The world, your grief is not enough. Maslow's triangle, top, we need this, you know, all that stuff. But I believe that's the picture has, that God has for us here. I believe it's the kind of purpose that's in this little seed of a church in Glen Innes if we want it. We can be like that. This will not be a church where other Christians will want to come just because we've worked so hard to build the greatest children's church and the coolest youth ministry and we have the world's most fanciest espresso coffee machine and the coolest $5 million lighting and sound system. And there's no smoke. There's just people who absolutely love God. And for some of you, this is a turning point. Steve, this is a turning point now in your life. I know I've talked to you about this, but every time I look at you now, I just sense the heart of God just reaching out to you, reaching out to you. And he's going he's, he's gonna to show you something you've never seen before. Now, it's just a switch. You know, God, when God gives us revelation, you know about that stuff, he'll just, he's just going to give people revelation about who he is. Who he is. And this will be a church where people are living a life of faith, people who know the love and the forgiveness of God, people who know what it is to sit in the presence of God and to come out with his love, his peace and his joy. People who are bringing heaven down to earth every day in profound, miraculous, life-changing ways. That's, that's what we're doing. We're living with God, seeing what he's doing and we're bringing it down to earth and we're speaking it out. That's all there is to it. Stop working so hard to do it. Who the heck do you think you are? There's no room for older brother syndrome in this picture. But is it possible for us to become like the older brother? I believe it is. How do we become like the older brother? Let's quickly look at two ways we can end up just like this older brother, just like the Pharisee. One, it becomes all about me. We listen to preacher after preacher, <laughs> maybe even go to Bible college, go to conferences to hear more and more and to be told there's more and you can have more and you need more and it's like we put on layer and layer of clothing we just get this feeling we've got to know more before we can actually be anything until we look like Michelin man you know we can hardly even walk anymore because we've got all this stuff on us and we just need to sit in another conference to hear something new that will just be the thing that means I I am suddenly Superman and I am suddenly everything God ever wanted me to be. 
It's like we feast on dessert after dessert after dessert until we can hardly waddle out the door to get to the next meeting. We actually get really sick. And when we pray, it can start to be all about me. Can I just throw something in here? When you pray, pray for everyone except yourself. Everyone except yourself. When you pray for yourself, you become like just like the Dead Sea. You know that old picture? You know, the water comes into the Dead Sea and there's no way out, and it evaporates, and the sea just becomes really salty, becomes a really thick solution and dead. But when you pray for other people, it's like a river starts to flow through you like you become this bubbling well and it flows through and God takes care of everything. Have you noticed lately how much of the worship songs, they're all about me. Think about them sometimes. We're actually careful here to try not to use these songs, I believe, right? Is that true? Yes. But they're all about me. Not about Jesus anymore. It's based upon the, the whole concept that Christ isn't actually enough. God says he's filled us with the fullness of Christ. In Colossians 1.27, he says, This is the secret. Christ is in you. Christ is in you. You will never have more. Never. There is no more. You've got it all. Stop looking for more. What you've got to do is believe that you've got it. And that's faith. And I find myself being constantly challenged about that. God, you've given me everything. Stop, Graham. Stop thinking you need more. You don't. You've got the fullness of Christ in you. But Galatians 2 verse 20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Somehow church and the Christian life becomes far more about us than them. Something can go wrong with the go into all the world, but suddenly, suddenly we're going like, we need to go out into the world. We need to. We should go out into the world. It's all about me. Um, We can end up believing, just by the way, this stuff's all pitched really, that I actually haven't really made it and I need to hear more. I need to hear another message. I need something else. And I'm still learning to be a good Christian. I must be because people keep telling me all these ways I have to become a Christian. And so we start working at it and suddenly we're like the Galatians. It says in Galatians 3.3, How foolish can you be after starting your new life in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? People, it's like a curse that comes to try and grab us and pull us back, pull us back into being like the older brother again and, and, and saying like, you weren't, you weren't transformed when you gave your heart to Jesus, when you came to the cross and said, God, you know, I give you everything, come and live in me. Once we start down this pathway, we quickly begin to act just like the Pharisee, just like the old brother. We put aside grace and we put on works. 
and we get really upset when the prodigal son comes in from womanizing and leading a loose life and gets accepted straight away and gets a ring on his finger and a big celebration and we say, where's my goat? I've been working doing this stuff for years and years and years. I deserve it. It's my right. That's what the rules say. Don't you understand that? Second thing, we start to think after a while that we know how to do it for God. We know that when we became a Christian, things happened to you. For me, you know, I stopped swearing, I stopped drinking, I stopped wanting to go clubbing, I stopped smoking. It was an amazing time. I knew nothing about Christianity. From the next day after I walked out and stood at the front and gave my life to Jesus... There I was, still will tell you this, in my leather jacket, here down the hair, you know, jeans, boots, off my motorbike. I've become a Christian. I know nothing about Christianity. And suddenly I go out there. I don't, I don't swear anymore. I used to swear like if, if this, if that, whatever the heck, just like anyone out there. I, it just went away. I didn't want to go clubbing. I remember driving my little car round round the Cathedral Square in Christchurch, going to my girlfriend, I don't want to go to the Plaza Lounge tonight. I didn't want to. Oh, what's this? Why don't I want to? I didn't want to drink anymore. Was this weird? I just stopped smoking. And it was just sovereign. God just did it. And I'm just surfing the wave. This is what is going on here. But then you start to you start to you know you start to work at stuff. I was a brand new person, just like God says I am. Christ was living me and he was so different. Now, I realise not everyone becomes a Christian like I did. I've got one of these, you know, born again, radically changed, boom, one bang, bang, and I'm off. I never look back. Kind of testimonies, you know. Um, but for some people, it's more like a series of revelations as they walk towards God, and it's totally different. Marion's story is totally different to mine, for example. So that we become the Pharisee teaching people how to be a Christian. Because we know how to be a Christian. You should do this and you should do that and you should do that. And we build courses about it and, and you can go to all sorts of seminars and things and learn how to be a Christian. Until people just start to get this idea, well, I've got to actually do some things now. No, you don't. Let me take that load off your shoulders. You don't. We actually stop believing that it's a miraculous thing that's happening. Your mind is at enmity with God, the Bible says. And it thinks it's really, really clever. And it wants to work out the way. And it wants to work it out. We talk to people for hours about how to change. You know, counsel them. God doesn't change people, He buries them. That's what water baptism's all about. I go down under the water and I leave the old man, the old nature, the old person who thought they were so clever and so smart that they could do all these things and get through life on its own. And I, write, I write, stand up a brand new person filled with the Spirit of God. If you're not water baptised, I so encourage you, get water baptised. Do it. Just do it. Just do it, do it, do it. 
It's a miracle. It's not some ritual. It's a miracle. Everything about Christianity is a miracle. Let's not reduce it to formulas and things that are just rituals that we do. We've got to believe that everything that's happening in our Christian life is a miracle. We serve a miracle working God. Let's get back there. God doesn't then go back and dig up the corpse and try to make this filthy, rotten, stinking thing smell nice. We're back like with the Pharisee, trying to do it and, you know, let's, let's yeah, we can dress it up. Oh, oh, that bad part of me, I'm, God help me, Jesus, be a more loving person. God help me be kinder. I just love what your son says. I just want to be kinder. No, you can't just be kind. You can't change the old thing and be kind and loving. You'll never be kind because you're a filthy, rotten, useless sinner and you've been buried. Come on. You are. I am. That's what it's all about. You're proud, boastful, sinful and thought you could make it through life. No, you can't. That's why you came to the cross. And you put it all down and said, Jesus, come and live in me. And by faith, we put on Christ. By faith, Jesus, you live in me. I am a kind, loving person. By faith, I have to appropriate it, big word. I have to take it on by faith, not by changing myself. By faith, I believe that Christ lives in me now, and that's how I am. As soon as we start doing those kind of things, again, we're back like the Pharisee, trying to gain their right of passage by obeying all the rules. And the end result is, like in Luke 18 verse 11, the Pharisees praise God, I thank you that I'm not like all the other people, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, or even this tax collector. I follow the rules and I'm a Christian, not a religious person actually just a religious person. So how do we maintain that freedom, the liberty, the freshness of the life of Jesus, the sweetness of the Holy Spirit in our hearts? Firstly, we have to keep foremost in our mind that this kingdom thing we're involved with is God's kingdom thing. They're not our plans and purposes. They're God's. God has plans and purposes. God is always doing things in heaven. Jesus, even Jesus... Even Jesus, John 5.19 says, I only do the things that I see my Father doing. He didn't come up with any great ideas himself or anything. He did what he saw the Father doing. He never had his own agenda. Sometimes I think we've completely reversed things. When I see that in myself, I'm, I almost get disgusted with myself. Who the heck do you think you are, Graham, that you think this is a good idea? Like, what's God think? What's God want to do? Oh, I haven't got time to find that out. (laughs) I've got things to do. Sometimes um, I find myself moved so far away from God, I don't have a clue what he's doing anymore. And so I start doing stuff. I won't, will not stand in a vacuum. 
other times I feel like I'm so in sync with him that it's like crazy scary almost all the things that God is doing. And I find myself without the boldness to actually step into them. Just a side thing, faith is calling into existence unseen things. Things you can only see if you get close enough to God. That's the essence of our Christian life. Getting close enough to God to see the things he's doing and to call them into existence. So that thing is to keep leaning into God and shunning any great ideas that we have. The second thing, look out, be outward looking. God's promised to look after you and you will find that if you focus on other people, he will open the windows of heaven above your life. When we become inward looking, it becomes all about me. It's kind of like a syndrome, all about me, it's all about me. I think God just quietly moves away and leaves us to stew around in our own juice until we're tired and weary and we scream out for help. Trouble is, often we leave it too late and we're just a smoking, smouldering heap in the corner. So become a river of blessing and see what God will do. That's the last thing. Stay excited about what God is doing. It's just my own little thing. Just stay excited about what God's doing. Say it often. God, I'm so excited that you've actually allowed me to work alongside you and to be part of what you're doing. It's so exciting. I say this to myself all the time. It helps me get off me and get onto what God's doing. And I just say it. I just say it. I'm so excited about what God's doing. I'm so excited to be involved. It's so cool. So remember, you can't try to be, not be like the older brother. You can't try not to be. You can't go, well, I'm not very loving kind of person. God, help me be more loving. You can't do that. You're just trying to paste something over the top of something ugly. And you can't try to be a Christian. You'll fail abysmally at either of them. Christianity isn't about doing. It's about positioning it's about positioning and he says come to me all you who are weary and laden and I will give you rest and I will make it easy my burden is light you just got to walk with me get excited with me and start talking about what I'm doing that's it that's it that's it and believe in miracles. Believe he's actually a miracle working God. Amen? Let's take the pressure off our lives. The pressure of, pressure of performance. Let's stand. I think we're going to sing some more songs. And I, I just um, encourage you just to just to position yourself before God right now. Just come into his presence. And if in 